Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Okay, we are back, broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julia, are you with me? I am indeed. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. So we have a very exciting topic today, and the topic is, Julie... The topic is the seven things brokers should never say to their agents. That's right. Now, this is an interesting topic because, um, frankly, we've been getting a lot of free coaching call requests from folks that are getting back into real estate, I would say a majority of the newish type agents are ones returning to the industry, and those who are brand new to the industry. And it's very, very fascinating to me. The things that you guys are reporting to us, that your brokers, or maybe possible would-be brokers, some of you are interviewing brokers, are saying to you, you know, I have to say there are a lot of things that are being said to agents that are just plain destructive. There's no two ways about it. So we're going to be talking about those points on today's radio show. There's seven great points, definitely real estate brokers or office managers or team leaders, whatever you guys label yourselves as, pay attention to these seven points because chances are you are um, probably guilty of committing uh, at least a few of these most common mistakes. So again, the topic of today's radio show is going to be the seven things the brokers should never, ever, ever say to an agent. So Julie, you've had a lot of interesting coaching calls today and this week, and so have Mm -hmm. I. Today is our long day Mm -hmm. as it is. So any interesting things that come to mind, any experiences, any feedback, anything Mm -hmm. that you see happening with your (laughs) coaching students from around the country? Yeah, I'm hearing a little bit longer days on the market. Things are inching Mm -hmm. up a bit. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because the question that I ask my agents is, how much do you actually know about what's happening in that micro neighborhood? And a very telling question is just how many homes are competing with your subject property, your listing. And if the answer is you don't know, then you have some homework to do because it does matter. Days on the market is affected. Sellers' expectations are affected. Your pricing is effective. And if you don't know the answer to that question, well, you're not really doing a great job for your seller. Well, you're bringing up an interesting point, right? I mean, this is the time of year when, as you said, it's normal for the days on the market to extend. But what happens a lot of times is you guys don't prepare your sellers for that. And you don't set realistic expectations. And so, Julie, if an agent wanted to right the wrongs, maybe, of not educating their sellers on the nature of the last quarter of the year, holidays and all those types of headwinds, and they wanted to give the uh, the seller really good information about, you know, what really they should be expecting, what would the points be that you'd want the agents to talk about? You mentioned days in the market. Yeah, I'm going to take a look at what is their competition. Maybe when they put the home on the market, they were pushing it a little bit on price because there were only two or three homes like it available. You know, most of the countries had low inventory for quite some time. But now that it's sitting around for a while, is that because there's six more homes that are competing with it, which means the time to even see a home if you're that buyer. You know, if there's two homes on the market, you see them this afternoon, you decide tonight. 
But if there's six or 10 or 15 homes available, even if you went looking every weekend, it might take you 30 days just to see before you even make a decision. So what is the competition, the absorption rate, average days in the market, is it going up or going down? Is there perhaps some new construction popping up that's kicking the butt of the resale? That's a very common Mm. phenomenon right now with the surge of uh, new construction in many areas. So what's actually going on? And then, you know, what is the seller's expectations? The other thing you need to know about each and every one of your listings is what is the seller's motivation? Has it changed since you took the listing? And what's their time frame? Yeah, go ahead. Let me slow you down a little bit. So you said they, mm-hmm. they should be looking to see if there's been a change in the number of homes, resale homes that are competing. That's the first thing you said. Mm-hmm. The second mm-hmm. thing you said is they need to be knowing what the effects of new construction are, which you guys, a lot of the new construction that's getting built um, – or at least being planned to be built, not making it into the MLS. So you're really going to have to go out of your way to understand what the effects of new construction have on your resale. And if you guys aren't familiar with what the effects that new construction has on resale, here I'll summarize it for you. It kicks resales butt. I mean, nine buyers out of ten are going to want to buy a new home versus a used home. So the reality, again, is that if you don't know what's going on in the marketplace, you're going to see the dynamics in your you know, pricing change dramatically. And if you haven't reset the seller's expectation as far as what the, uh, the value is going to be in their home going forward, and now you've got you know, a new – I know here uh, Julie and I live just north of, north of Austin. Get this, guys. Uh, since, I would say, the past five months, there's been over 7,000 7,000, and this is not a big community, by the way, new construction homes uh, essentially approved. So over the next, I don't know, two, three years, there's going to be 7,000 homes being built. Um, You know, all this makes me want to get my real estate license again. So if you have a used home or resale home that you're going to be putting for sale in a market where they're going to be in that 300s on up price range, you better be real, real crafty and making sure the house is in great condition, it's priced really well, because if you're, you know, selling in the a resale home between, like, in this particular market, in the low threes on up to the mid sixes, where most of this new construction is going to be, it, it's going to be tough. It just is. So know what's going on in the market. And the next thing I heard Julie say, um, and she said this before, was obviously know if the days in the market's taking longer. So these are all the extra points that you guys are getting from hopefully today's radio show that you're writing down, hopefully writing down. Julie, any other points come to mind, things that they need to be aware of for the sake of educating their sellers, setting realistic expectations? You know, sometimes the seller's own motivation changes. You know, they found out they're being relocated earlier. Maybe they fell in love with a house and you're not in tune to that and they're dying to buy that, but nobody's been talking to them. Uh, I've been hearing a lot. It's interesting. The agents that we have that are very frosty on their price reductions, many of their sellers are actually saying to them, hey, if this price reduction doesn't do it two weeks from now, I'm authorizing you to come down even further, which I think is great. You just have to pay attention to that and then do some new net sheets, especially if they're buying with you, and make sure that you're not – you know, turning them into a short sale inadvertently and that sort of thing. But, you know, know what their motivation is. Is it still the same as when you listed them? Know what their time frame is. You know, the seller who has to sell is probably going to be calling you wondering what you've been up to. The seller is kind of like, well, we can take our time and see what happens. Well, you might have a little bit more leeway with them. So be able to identify that on every single listing. When you take the listing, 30 days from the listing if it hasn't sold, certainly 60 or 90 days of the listing if it's still active, things change. So if you're not calling your sellers every single week, you're in danger of losing that relationship. That's a fact. 
Right, that's true. So, uh, guys, bottom line here is something else is coming up next week. Are you aware of the fact that we're changing the month, right? We are the end of the month and the beginning of the following month, which means there's going to be a lot of expireds to pursue. A lot of the expireds you guys are going to see uh, coming up are going to be ones that were overpriced and the previous agent didn't have the chops to get the house repositioned correctly. Remember, these are just a couple little you know, hints on how you can actually get these houses uh, priced correctly. When you're speaking with sellers, don't say words like overpriced. Say, uh, you know, you're ahead of the market, you know? Mr. Seller, you're not overpriced necessarily. You're just ahead of the market. And don't say lower the price. Again, those are kind of toxic words to any seller. Say reposition the house on the market so that it more correctly reflects or so that it correctly reflects the buyer's expectations, you know? So those are the types of things you guys can say that will make it so when you're conversing with a seller, they're more receptive to what you have to say because you're saying it in such a way that it doesn't offend them. It doesn't piss them off. That's a good place to start when you're uh, conversing with a new potential seller is making them like you. So keep all these things in your mind. All right, so we are going to take a real quick break, and when we do, we're going to get to the seven great points, things that a broker should never, ever, ever say to an agent. We'll be back in about a minute. According to the National Association of Realtors, only 10% of agents complete an amazing 90% of all transactions because they have a coach. If you want the production and performance that comes with being a top producer, then you need one too. Not just any coach, but the leaders in coaching today, Tim and Julie Harris. Don't just take our word for it. Listen to what HGTV star and Atlanta top producer Colette McDonald has to say. Hi, my name is Colette McDonald, and I'm with Remax in Atlanta, Georgia. I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to Tim and Julie Harris. I've been a coaching client of theirs for the last four years. When I first started in this business 12 years ago, I was very successful, did a great amount of business, averaged between eight and 10 million a year. When I contracted with Tim and Julie to be my graduate level coaches, my production increased by 20% per year. I am now trending 30 million this year. That's amazing results over four years of working with Tim and Julie Harris. I highly recommend them. Tiger Woods has a coach. And why does he have a coach? Because he can't see his swing. If you do what they tell you to, you will see huge results. I am living proof. Only Tim and Julie Harris provide powerful one-on-one coaching along with all the lead generation systems, scripts, presentations, team building, and business planning tools you need to dominate your real estate market. We offer affordable pricing with no long-term contracts, and our entire coaching staff are trained professional agents with top producing track records. Take action now and visit us online at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. There's no risk, no obligation, just a free, personal, one-on-one call with a trained professional coach. Join the elite 10% of agents who make all the difference in today's market. Visit freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Okay, Ms. Julie, are you ready for the first point? I am indeed. Point number one, again, our topic, seven things brokers should never say to their agents. Point number one, it's going to take at least six months before you'll make any money, so prepare yourself for not having any paychecks. 
<laughs> you know, I actually think it's funny that brokers say that to agents. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you serious? You're going to say, tell somebody walking in with all the ambition, all the inspiration, all the motivation, and you're going to tell them that basically there's no chance they're going to make money for the next six months? Well, you're setting them up to, guess what, not make a nickel for not just the next six months, but maybe ever. So, keep, right. Julie, what psychological effect is, have you seen that have on some of your free coaching calls? They it's think they're supposed like, to be like, go ahead. You know, way to lower the expectations, right? I mean, I'd rather shoot high and fall short a little bit than tell a mug, yeah, ready to be broke for a while. How inspirational is that? How motivational is that? You should be questioning that kind of, quote, advice from your brokers. So it's very demotivating is the effect that I see. And it's not even true. I mean, honestly, guys, any new any new agent can work with a first-time buyer, do an open house this weekend, be given just a few scripts to get that buyer to work with them, and then sell a house and have a paycheck within the first 30 days or 60 days of them starting at your brokerage. So why would you set the expectation to anything else? So brokers, erase from anything that you're saying or any of your office managers or team leaders or whatever you call them are saying, and stop telling new agents it's going to take them six months. Tell them that the expectation is they'll have a closing within the first 60 days. So here's what will happen. A, you'll get more productive agents. But B, you're going to get agents who are ambitious, who are, uh, frankly, wanting to have strong leadership, who are going to hear you guys say that, and as a result, they're going to want to join your brokerage. So by telling them the expectation is you're going to get a paycheck within the first 60 days, not only will they psychologically create that reality, but they'll be more attracted to you in the first place because you're not sounding like all the other washed-up brokers who are just basically setting the bar, not just low, but they're not even picking it off the ground. Julie, point (laughs) number two. Okay, point number two, you'll have to pay for your leads for a while. So go ahead and get going. Sign up with some of those lead companies. Get your visa out. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I actually hear that on my coaching calls, you know, from these agents who are returning to the business who have been out of it for seven years. And in that past seven years, there's been all these companies that have popped out of nowhere, essentially, trying to sell buyer leads to agents. And it's almost like all the normal ways to get buyer leads in particular, because a lot of first-time agents or newer agents or returning agents are attracted to buyers, because generally speaking, they're easy to work with. And generally speaking, if you get a good one, they can close within 30 to 60 days. And so it's like in the past five to seven years, because all these companies are now cultivating leads and selling buyer leads to agents, it's our industry has forgotten about how ridiculously easy it is to get a buyer lead in the first place. Are you kidding me? Why have you guys forgotten that? Why are you actually believing that you have to buy a buyer lead? You want buyer leads? Go back and listen to the past radio shows we've done on self-generating, self-generating your own buyer leads. Office managers, brokers, team leaders, if any of you are telling new agents to buy buyer leads, you should be fired or sell your business. Or go to, hey, there's an idea, hire a coach, hire us to get your head screwed on straight. No one should ever be buying buyer leads, ever, 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 even if you, especially if you've been in the industry for a while. Buying buyer leads is the height of stupidity in the real estate industry. Full stop. Point number three, Julie. Point number three is you're going to have to start working with low-end clients for a while. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there it is again, right? I, Julie, actually, this was said to us. I remember this. This was like mm-hmm. 20 years ago, 22 years ago, when Julie yeah. and I got in the business. We went and interviewed different brokers, and we heard them saying the same thing. Don't expect a paycheck for the first six months, if ever, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is you're going to have to sell mobile homes or work with first-time buyers, or you're going to have to work yeah. on the you know bad area of town and sell horrible properties. Why? Why would that possibly be true? Yeah. 
Yeah, and why why is it that you can't start out at the top and selling the most expensive properties? Why is it that brokers and office managers and team leaders are, and even maybe within the ranks of agents giving each other advice, why is it that you guys are setting the bar so low to tell new agents or agents returning to the business that they'd have to start working the low end of the business? It's because why, Julie? Help me understand. Well, I, I mean, honestly, I think sometimes it's because maybe their broker, owner, office manager is also perhaps selling and secretly doesn't want the competition. It could be that. It could be because maybe they themselves don't have that confidence to go after that higher-end client. It could be because they're afraid of motivating someone just for them to get frustrated when they don't have instant success. You know, I, I think all of the above is kind of crazy talk, honestly. It's the same process, buyers and sellers, and in any price range. You still have a contract. You still have to negotiate. You still have to be able to price. You still have to close. So why wouldn't you go after at least middle of the road? It's the same thing. And when you're in the middle of the road, you have – buying and selling side. We're not against first-time buyers or inexpensive property. Don't get us wrong here. It's just that nobody should be saying to you, well, you're going to have to start out working the crap first. Well, okay, and which leads nicely to the next point, too. I mean, everybody tells you when you get your real estate license, and again, you know, I know and I am a huge advocate of you guys who have full-time, well-paying jobs. You guys are earning enough money to pay your bills, take care of your families. And, you know, we should have had this on the list, Julie. Actually, I'm going to make this the next point. And, you know, you guys are being told a lot of times to quit your jobs and get into real estate oh, yeah. full-time. Mm-hmm. That, so that's it's now yep. okay? So quit yeah. your jobs and get into real estate full-time. I, I personally have had free coaching calls, uh, and today's just Thursday, but in just the past four days, I do, you know, two or three free coaching calls a day, and I bet you at least three or four times I've had people who are have full-time jobs making eighty, a hundred thousand. I had one guy that was making one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Okay, and they are they were all part of their, you know, they most of them were coming to our free coaching call with specific questions, and one of the questions was, should I quit my job? Hell no, you should not quit your job. No, More you should not talk. quit your job. Yeah, that's right. It's crazy. It's crazy talk. You can do real estate part-time. A lot of people do, depending on what your goals and your expectations are. For you to walk away from that kind of financial security is insane. And I don't care if you're only earning fifty dollars or $60,000 a year. You do not stop earning money from your old source of business, especially if you have a family, until you're well into your career and earning consistent money. Okay. Now, I'm going to really drive down on that point because you guys sometimes get your heads in the clouds as soon as you start talking to all these brokers. And brokers, listen to what I'm saying. This is good practical advice, and it's the best advice for agents. Okay, This is the best thing for them. You have strong, educated, financially sound agents. You're going to have a better brokerage. Not all these people are constantly worried about where their next paycheck is coming from. If you have a family, if people are dependent on your income, right, then you cannot quit your old job. Yes, you can do real estate part-time. Plenty of people do. If you uh, are single and you can uh, – psychologically handle the risk, and you want to quit your job and get in real estate full-time, go for it. What do you really have to lose at that point? You can always get your job back. But you can't be taking risks that adversely affect your family. That's not the responsible thing to do. I hope you guys are all with me on that and not being confused about it. It just doesn't make any sense. Sometimes the worry about where your next paycheck is going to come from actually will prevent you from making any sales because the psychological worry will be so onerous. And some of you guys who've had jobs for a long time who've never been 100% dependent on 
uh, commission. In other words, you've always had some kind of base. Trust me when I tell you, going from where you are now, have having some resemblance of security from your paycheck, going to 100% commission is going to be a shock to you. So right. if you have kids, if you have people that are dependent on you, that's not fair to them for you to take that risk. I have drove, driven down this point far enough. Let's go to the next point, Julie. All right, so the next point, all these, of course, are related, is that you have to start out by working with buyers, which you could translate to don't even think about trying to be a listing agent until you've worked with a whole bunch of buyers and gotten a bunch of deals under your belt. So go hold an open house and get some buyers. So okay, and I hear this too. I mean, anybody can start out as a listing agent. You just have to have some skill developed, which does not take forever. That's pretty much it. I mean, why not go after a for sale by owner? Why not go after an expired? Hey, remember, we told you at the top of the radio show today, uh, end of the month coming up next week, beginning of the month coming up next, beginning of October coming up next week, always more expires at the end and the beginning of the months. Huge opportunity for all of you. We have hundreds of coaching students who are taking their first listings who are essentially newest in the real estate business. Right. And I say newish because so many of you guys are returning to the industry. Hundreds of you who are becoming listing agents. It is not that difficult. It does require skill. It does require discipline. Working with buyers is easier, and the reason it's easier is because it's, frankly, not the best end of the business to be in. Anybody can do it. That's the reason so many people do do it. Learning to be a listing agent takes discipline, takes an actual system. You have to have a pre-listing pack. You have to have scripts. You have to know what to say. You have to be able to counsel folks. You have to actually take the time to learn, but you don't wait to learn before you start doing you learn while you earn. Learn while you earn. In other words, you have to get into action of making the calls, of making the contacts, of doing the work, and then, guys, you learn along the way. Trust me when I tell you, I'm thinking about some of the coaching calls I've had this week, where there were, again, you know, some of them were new coaching clients to me, or some of them were veterans in the real estate industry. They've never had a pre-listing pack on the level of ours. They've been kind of procrastinating it, and then they lose a listing because they didn't have a pre-listing yep. pack, and then they get it done, right? So, you know, the fact is, is that those types of experiences motivate you. The mistake a lot of guys make, agents make, it, you guys, you know, you do not wait to get all your stuff done before you get into action and start earning money. You get into action while you're earning money. You do both simultaneously, and it makes both better. What's the next point, Jules? Next point is some brokers say to their agents that they should not be messing around with leases or BPOs or things that are, let's say, maybe a little bit less uh, commission-y based. So, yeah, leases don't pay like a normal commission on a normal sale, but it's still money. It still pays your bills. It still pays your NAR dues. still pays for gas in your car. Same thing with BPOs. Why any broker would say to any agent, no, it's not okay to make money, does not make any sense to me whatsoever. Well, okay, so if you're in New York City and you're brand new to the city and you're not doing leases, chances are you're going to starve, right? Mm -hmm. If you're in certain parts of L.A., if you're not doing leases, chances are you're going to starve if you're new in the business. And as far as the BPOs go, one of the things we suggest all of you guys do is it, regardless of where you are in your career, is you have to be honest to God, area experts, know the market cold. In order to do that, no better way than doing BPOs. And by the way, you get paid for doing them. So again, brokers, office managers, agents, I am informing all of you, 
The reason the brokers and office managers and team leaders tell you guys not to do BPOs is because oftentimes they're not getting any portion of the money. They don't pay that much, 45, 50, 100 bucks sometimes. But guys, brokers, office managers, leaders in the industry, if we do what's best for the agents, it makes the industry on a whole better. If we teach them to do BPOs and do BPOs at a high level, not only will they know the markets, but they'll also have money. Having money uh, gives them financial security, gives them the breathing room to get better at their skills, to become better listing agents. So, guys, this all makes sense. That's the reason that we are agent-centric. We are totally and completely focused on what's best for the agent because at the end of the day, the agent is the lifeblood of this industry, specifically the listing agent. Julie, do we have another point? Yes, we do. We do. And that point is that some brokers will tell you that, quote, the real money comes from building your team. You want to vamp on that one, Julie? Well, <laughs> I think so we've heard, the a, common... heard from me enough about that. <laughs> yeah, we could do a whole show on that. But basically what happens is that agents believe that their job is to build a team, not that their job is to build revenue for themselves and their families. So what you get is a whole rash of agents who think that they're supposed to be out there building their team before they actually know how to coach their team, teach their team, lead their team, hold their team accountable, or actually be able to pay their supposed team, which drives a lot of agents, quite frankly, right into the ground because it's not long before your team costs more than what you're making. It's just a poor business model, especially for a newer agent that doesn't have any skill. Well, and exactly, and, and hey, let's call Keller Williams agents. You guys are the ones that are most guilty of this. You sure. guys think that the way you become seri- the way you become successful in real estate, and I know there's people on the speaking circuit, and you guys go to these conventions, and there's people telling you you got to form a team. You don't have to form a team to be successful in this industry. And here is the secret that, frankly, we're the only ones that are telling you the truth about. The most successful listing agents in the country, and these are also happen to be the wealthiest agents in the country earning the most amount of money ha- don't have teams. They don't have teams. If you don't believe me, go back a couple weeks in our radio show, and we interviewed both of them. And these guys, these agents are selling somewhere like 600, uh, what was it? One was selling close to a billion in real estate this year, and the other was going to close something like 750, 750 million in real estate this year. So these are agents that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars in commissions, and they don't have teams. So that is where the money is in this industry, is learning how to be a listing agent and not worrying about focused on building a team. Now, some cases and some price ranges for some agents, depending on where they are in their careers, if they just decide that they're willing to sacrifice net profit for the sake of maybe retiring partially and they need to have assistants or team members replace them, then for those types of folks, maybe a team makes sense. Now, we're not saying don't hire assistants. Yes, heck yeah, you're going to have an assistant. But you're not going to have or you shouldn't have in most cases a whole bunch of buyer's agents, for example. You shouldn't be thinking that you can hire a leads coordinator and somehow they're going to solve all your problems or you're going to hire someone to go on listing appointments. Yes, you can do all of that. And you can brag to all your friends at the conventions that you have these big teams and all these people running around. But the truth is at the end of the year when you're filing your taxes and you're looking to see how much your net profit was, why hasn't it increased? commensurate with the added staff members. It never does. Real estate practices are not scalable. The more uh, overhead, uh, essentially the more transactions you add, the more overhead you have to add. And so in other words, you can do, and this is definitely true, and this is how it's almost always worked. 
an agent with a team who earns a million dollars in commissions, a great number, no doubt, an agent with a team who earns a million dollars in commissions will have roughly the same net profit, or in other words, take-home pay, as an agent who does roughly $300,000. So an individual agent in virtually any market, I mean, Julie and I did $300,000 our first year in the business when we were in our early 20s, just Julie and I. So an agent who earns $300,000 per year will have roughly the same net, if not a greater net, frankly, than an agent who grosses with a team a million dollars per year. So if your goal is to make money, <laughs> if your goal is to save money, if your goal is to buy investment properties, pay off debt, if your goal is to build actual wealth, having a team just doesn't make sense for 99% of you. And again, it all goes back to the whole thing that you guys are being told, you got to form a team, you got to form a team, you got to form a team. Why is it that you're why is it that that's being fed to you? Cuz teams are trendy like buying buyer leads, but also because if I'm a broker or I'm an office manager, my hardest job after managing all of you is going to be recruiting new agents. That is always the, the worst job in a real estate brokerage is recruiting new agents. It's the you know, it just takes a lot of work. So what happens is if I can recruit uh, you to work at my brokerage and I can then convince you that you then have to build a team and add more licensees to my brokerage, you are then uh, helping me do my job. Okay, Does that make sense for you? Well, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. So guys, these are the types of thoughts you have to have in your head. As individual agents, you got to look out for these things, but today's call was specifically for the brokers, specifically for the office managers, specifically for the team leaders. You guys have to stop telling agents this because it's not true. It doesn't make sense. And if no one's ever told you that it doesn't make sense, no one's ever told you that it's not true, and that's been your reasoning behind continuing to perpetuate these lies, well, guess what? You have to stop now because we just did. So you can't say that no one's ever told you this before. Exactly. Someone has. Guys, pay attention to what's happening amongst uh, the industry, amongst the, the real, you know, the icons in the industry. All of them are pivoting towards these types of thoughts. Why? Because the truth is self-evident. What we're saying is so obviously true that you cannot argue with it. So, guys, you know, you really connect your mind with what your goal is. You didn't get in this real estate industry, well, I'd say most of you didn't get in this industry for the sake of building teams or all these other goofiness. You got in this industry because you wanted to make more money, to pay off debt, to provide a better lifestyle for your family, to create more financial security, and to build wealth. Stay connected with the original motivation when you got in this business and stay true to yourself. You know, if you guys need any additional help, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, or you can always email Julie and I uh, directly on our private emails, and mine is coach, C-O-A-C-H, Tim, T-I-M, Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, at gmail.com, and Julie's is coach, Julie Harris, at gmail.com. In the meantime, Julie, anything else you'd like to say to these guys? Nope, take it seriously. We're all about making you guys more money, keeping more money in your pocket, and doing it in the most efficient and effective way possible. So if you hear any of these things that we talked about today, ask yourself what's going on with that. You know, we're all about agents. And as you said, Tim, stronger agents make stronger brokerages. So get to work, everybody. That's right. And tomorrow we have a very special co-host, a great guest. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. And, guys, thank you for making us the number one real estate radio show on the Internet. I mean, we're top with Blog Top, top with Stitcher, top with iTunes. I really, really appreciate all your support. Um, you know, we it's pretty awesome. I mean, over 50,000 of you will have listened this month, and that's, that's really it, – frankly, it's very motivational for Julie and I. So help us get the word out. Your homework from this and every radio show is to share it, tweet it, Facebook it, 
Uh, send the link around, forward the email, do whatever it takes to help us help other agents not just survive in this new real estate boom, but thrive. Have a fantastic day, and we'll talk to you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.